Thank you so much for allowing me to come and be with you today. It's an honor. Um, I love your pastor, Mike and Lori. Uh, We love this church. We consider it a bit of a second home. When my oldest son, whom we call Kenobi, was about four years old, I went up uh, to pray with him as I did at night. And for some reason this night, he had another idea. He said, Dad, rather than you praying, can I pray? I don't know if he was just tired of hearing me pray or didn't think that they were powerful enough or what. But I said, sure, buddy. Yeah, that's fine. And so we both knelt by his little Star Wars bed and he prayed this. Dear God. Yes, he nailed it. Then he got quiet and said, I can't. I don't know what to say. Amen. I said, amen. And he looked at me and all of a sudden, as soon as I looked up, he crumbled into my lap, just weeping. Daddy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. That was a bad prayer. It's like, are you kidding me? That's one of the best prayers I've ever heard in my life. There's so often in my life that that's the same prayer that I want to pray. Dear God, I can't. I don't know what to say. Amen. One of our foster daughters sees some prisoners in orange jumpsuits picking up trash on the side of the road. And she says, hey, that's what my mom wears. I can't. One of my friends, 50-year-old, knocks on my door and I open up. He falls in my lap weeping because he just found out that his wife was cheating on him. I don't know what to say. When we get a call from a 38-year-old telling us that she's going off of Facebook before she goes into hospice, so she can spend a couple more weeks with her daughters. I can't. I want to hear of school shootings, human trafficking. I don't know what to say. And if I'm honest with you this morning, I feel bad too. I feel like it's a bad prayer. Especially when I read scripture that seems to have all these great triumphal notes about prayer. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. When scripture says, hey, whatever you ask for, if you believe, it will be given to you. When it comes and says, hey, think of Elijah. He was a person just like you, and he prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. And he prayed, hey, let it rain, and all of a sudden it began to rain. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I don't know what to say. I can't. But there is one verse in scripture about prayer that really seems to resonate with the prayer of my son, Kenobi. It's in Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, get them and turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 26 and 27. Let me give you some context as you're turning. Uh, Paul is beginning with this great uh, promise. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Therefore, we're no longer slave to fear. Uh, we're, we're a child of God. We no longer have to uh, uh, satisfy the desires of our flesh. Instead, we walk according to God's spirit. And God has put his spirit inside of us. And through that spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. Amen. And guess what? That spirit inside of us is this inheritance that reminds us that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And we will share in his glory. We will share in his reward. Amen? Sounds great. Sounds triumphant. But all of a sudden, Paul flips the switch. Flip, flip. And says, I want you to know that before we share in his glory, we also have to share in his suffering. 
But this present suffering that we're going through that is so hard that we just can't and we don't know what to say. It doesn't even begin to compare to the reward that God has for us. So great is that reward that all of creation, the mountains, the trees, the oceans, the stars, the sun, they stand on their tiptoe and they stretch out their neck waiting for our redemption, waiting for us to be set free from suffering because then creation will be set free as well. And then we get to this verse here where Paul talks about a prayer that really resonates with the prayer of my son, Kenobi. Let us stand to honor the reading of God's word. This is Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For do we, we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes. He prays for us with groans too deep for words. And God who searches hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit prays for the saints according to the will of God. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. This morning I want to share uh, three points with you. The first point is this. When we can't get out of our suffering, God helps us out in our suffering. The second point is that when we don't know what to pray, God's spirit prays for us. And the third point is that when God has to say no to our prayers, he still says yes to the prayers of the Holy Spirit for us. The first point, when we can't get out of our suffering, God helps us out in our suffering. If you look at this verse, it says, but likewise, the spirit itself helps us out in our weakness. The Spirit itself helps us out in our weakness. Now, this word that Paul uses for helps us out is very unusual. We don't see it anywhere else in the New Testament. It's uh, soon antilambanatai. Say that three times really quickly. Soon antilambanatai. Uh, what Paul does is he gets two prepositions, uh, with and in the face of, and he adds it to this verb help. So God helps us in the face of our suffering. God helps us with our suffering. And some scholars believe that uh, Paul is wanting to emphasize the word with and in the face of. So that here, this picture is that in our suffering, when we just can't, when we don't know what to say, God's spirit comes to help us with our suffering. He comes to help us in the face over against the pain that we're going through. It reminds us that he doesn't leave us alone. And in our pain and in our suffering, in the hard times that we're going through, God helps us carry the load. It's almost of a picture of a friend who is willing to grab the other side of the couch and help you carry it up, carry it up the stairs, screaming, pivot, 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 pivot. So also, in your suffering and your pain, God helps you carry the load, and he tells you when to turn. So it's possible that that's how we should render this word, that God, he's with you in your pain. He's with you in your suffering, and even in the face of it, over against it, God's going to help you overcome that obstacle. Probably more likely, Paul's not wanting to emphasize those two prepositions, but instead he's emphasizing that God is really, really, really coming to help us. This similar word is used by David in Psalm chapter 49, where David comes and says, hey, 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 wait a second. Hold on. I want you guys to know that God is my helper and God is my father. And he doesn't just help me, he helps me with his divine right hand. Here it could be that Paul similarly is coming to say this, that God is with us and he comes and not offers us just a little bit help, not just some help, but he comes and offers us the help of his right hand, of his strong hand, that God's power is with us. And if God is for us, similar to what we hear later on in Romans 8, then who can be against us? If God offers us his help, how much more will he be with us? If he did not even spare his own son, Jesus Christ, for us, how much more will he give you all things 
as you go through his suffering. Because God is our help in the face of these sufferings, in the face of all the things that are going on in our life, we are more than conquerors through Christ. Amen? So it could be this idea. And I don't want you just to listen to me today. I want you to engage with this scripture. I want you to think about it. What suffering, what pain are you going through right now in your life? I want you to know that the word of God promises you that God is with you. He's helped wants to help you carry that load, but also he's not giving you just a little help. He's giving you the help that you need. And God's power, it's always enough. We know that with God's power, we're nothing but conquerors through Christ. He's never going to give us up. He's never going to let us down. He's never going to run around or desert us. This word is used one other time in scripture. In the Old Testament, by Moses. Twice in Exodus 18 and Numbers chapter 11, Moses surrounded by the Israelites that are complaining and moaning and groaning. Finally, Moses says, kind of my life verse, I'm tired of all these people around me. Anybody else? <laughs> Parents, do you ever say that? <laughs> God, I'm tired of all these people around me. Teachers, I'm tired of all these. Uh, Moses too. And Moses says, God, I, I can't put up with all these people around me anymore. I'm tired of all these people around me. And God says, well, don't worry. Soon antilambanatai. I'm going to come and help you. And so what God does is he takes his spirit and he puts it on the elders. He puts it on the judges so that Moses doesn't have to carry the load all by himself. And if Paul is trying to resonate um, here with what we see in Exodus, he's telling us not only do we have God with us in the face of our suffering, not only do we have God giving us his divine right hand, his power, his strength, but we also have God who's put his spirit in other people around us to help us carry the load. My son, Caspian, is uh, on the uh, autism spectrum towards the middle. And uh, we never know what's going to go in his mind that's going to come out of his mouth. And my daughter had a number of her college friends over uh, this last semester. And uh, she said, hey, Caspian, go ask uh, the girls who wants uh, coffee and tea. And he said, okay. And I was amazed to see what was going to happen here. And so he walks into this room full of college students. And he says, all right, raise your hands if you need therapy. My daughter was mortified, but I raised my hand. You know, the truth is, is that we all need therapy. We all need counseling. We're going through pain. We're going through suffering, and we can't do it by ourselves. And the same spirit of God that came upon to help Moses has come upon the people around you to help you through this pain, to help you go through it. What suffering are you going through today? What pain are you going through? Maybe... You're coming here and you've been debating going to counseling. Maybe God is saying, you know what? I put my spirit on some of these counselors and they're here. Maybe it's just God coming and saying, hey, you need to go and talk to this person. You need to go and get some prayer. But I love this scripture. The the first point comes and says, you know, when we can't get out of our suffering, God helps us out in our suffering. But secondly, when we don't know what to say, God prays for us. Look at the word of God again. Verse 26, the second part of it. For we do not know literally what's necessary for us to pray. But the Spirit himself prays for us with groans too deep for words. So we don't know what to say. God's Spirit himself prays for us. Now again, we need to think about back in the Old Testament, you had these great men and women of God who would stand up and would pray for the half of the people. 
We would have uh, Moses that would come and he would pray for the people of Israel. We would have Samuel who would stand up and he would pray for the people of Israel. We would have Noah who would pray for the people. We'd have Job. We've had all these great men and women of God who would pray for the people. But what happens as we go through is that the people's heart gets so hard that there comes a time when we see this in uh, Ezekiel 14, 14 and Jeremiah 15, 1, where God comes and says, enough, no, I'm not going to hear their prayers anymore. Even if Noah, even if Samuel, even if Moses, even if Job, even if Daniel were to come and pray for you, I would not hear it anymore. That the prayers of these great men and women of God no longer are powerful enough. God says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping my ears to hear that. Now, what happens in the Judaism around uh, Christianity is that they begin to one-up it. Well, now it's not just the uh, great men and women of God that are praying for the saints, but instead there are these angels, these heavenly mediators that are praying for the people of God. So no longer is it Moses, but now it's Michael. No longer is it Noah, but now it's Gabriel. It's Leonardo, Donatello, Splinter. Oh, wait. But here Paul comes and says, wait a second. I see the great patriarchs, the great men and women of the Old Testament, and I raise you, the angels. And Paul comes and says, no, no, no. I I see the great men and women of God in the Old Testament, and I see the great angels in heaven, and I raise you, the Holy Spirit of God. You don't have Moses praying for you. You don't have Noah praying for you. You don't have Daniel praying for you. You have God himself praying for you. Now, this is a drop-the-mic moment. This is seminal. We, we don't have this idea. There's nowhere else in Scripture where God begins to pray to himself for us. God comes and says, I understand your weakness. I understand your pain. I know the suffering that you're going through. And I want you to know that you're not alone in it. I've sent myself, my spirit inside of you, to pray for you in your suffering. Not a great man of God or woman of God. Not angels, but me, myself. God's spirit is praying for you. And again, this coheres with what we see later on in Romans 8. Not only is it the Spirit of God praying for you, but in Romans 8, 39, Paul tells us that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God praying for you. You're going through a hard time. You're going through suffering. I want you to know today that God is praying for you. His Spirit is praying through you. And Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father praying for you. And God is receiving those prayers. But He's praying for you in words and groans that are inexpressible. Too deep for words, these groans. Last year, a year and a half ago, we had a young man and wife in our church that lost their six-month-old, baby Joy. Had to go to her funeral and stare at a casket that's about this big. Cassocks shouldn't be made that size. And you look at it, you see this sweet young couple having to bury the little girl. You just can't. You don't know what to say. A couple of weeks passed, and it was when a good, good father song was really popular. And we were singing that in our church. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. And the father of baby Joy, he went to one of our men and said, I can't say those words. I open my mouth and those words just won't come out. And his friend looked at him and said, you know what? It's okay. I'll say them for you right now. Because it's probably going to come in time in my life where I'm going to need you to say them for me. 
You're not alone in your suffering. There's people here that they'll say those words for you. But here what Paul says is that not only do we have brothers and sisters in Christ that will say those words for us, but we have the Holy Spirit of God coming and saying, hey, don't worry. I'll say those words for you. You don't know what to say. You just can't. But I will pray through you with groans that are too deep for words. After the South Carolina shooting, my family, we just wanted to do something. We didn't know what to do. So we went to one of the local black churches in our community just to show continuity, just to say that we wanted to grieve with them. And we get up and we expect it to be solemn and just, uh, and there was some of that, but the, 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 the pastor gets up and he says, you know what? There's two times to worship the Lord when you feel like it and when you don't. He says, today we're going to worship the Lord with groans because the gospel is in the groans. We're going through those hard times. The spirit of God is praying through us. It is praying that in the face of suffering, that we have a shout of triumph because we know that that suffering leads to perseverance and perseverance leads to character and character not, will not disappoint us because God has poured out his hope and his love through Jesus Christ into our lives. We pray these words. I don't know exactly what the Spirit is saying, but I know he's saying something like, I'm gonna work this for good for those of you who are love me and are called according to my purpose. I don't know exactly what the Spirit says in those groans, but I know the gospel is in it. And I know that it's something along the lines of neither height, nor death, nor principality, nor angels, nor demons. Nothing, 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 nunca. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Some of you here this morning, you're going through a hard time. I want you to know, you may not know what to pray, but God sent his Spirit itself to pray for you. And the gospel is inside the groan. Maybe today, God just calling you just to trust in him and to sit back and allow his spirit to give you that peace that goes beyond understanding and in silence, allow God to groan through you. And finally today, so we see that when God has to say no to our prayers, he still says yes to the prayers of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 27. And God who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit prays for the saints according to the will of God. We see through scripture, there are times where God has to look at the people that he loves the most and say no. We can go back to Moses, who after he struck the right rock twice, God says, mm -mm, no promised land for you. And three times Moses comes and says, God, please, please let me go into the promised land. And God says, no, mm -mm, I can't, I'm sorry. Another time Moses, Moses, God, please let me go into the promised land. And God says, no, stop asking. Another time Moses comes and says, God, please. God looks and says, I can't, no, I can't answer your prayer. It's not according to my will. It's not just Moses, David. David comes, God, please let me build a house for you. I'm living in this palace and you're living in a tent. And God looks and says, no, David. It's not just in the Old Testament. Even Paul, the one who's writing this, has this thorn in this flesh it's great pain. And three times he cries, God, please take this thorn from me. God, please take this thorn from me. God, please take this thorn from me. And God says, no, no, no. My grace is sufficient for you and your suffering. My spirit is praying for you and your suffering. No. But it's not just Moses, not just David. It's not just Paul. But even our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God's son, the father says no to. At Gethsemane, God, Jesus says Father, if there's any way this cup can take can pass from me, God, please take this cup. And God looks says, no, no, no. 
But we have this confidence that the Spirit of God that's inside of us, He knows the will of the Father, and the Father knows the will of the Spirit. So that He prays, God always says, says, yes, yes, yes. There's some of you here this morning that you've been praying for a long time, and God just keeps saying, no, 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 it's not according to my will. But I want you to know that the Spirit of God is praying through you. God is saying, yes, yes, yes. What's he doing? What's he praying? Why is God saying yes to the Holy Spirit through this suffering? Look at verse 28. For we know in all of these sufferings, in all of these trials, in all of this pain that you're going through, that God is working them for good for those of us who love him and are called according to his glory. God is saying yes. What about you this morning? Are you going through those pains? Do you trust God to pray for you? Do you trust that he's working it for good for you who are called according to his purpose? When I was in seminary in Scotland, my daughter came to me after her grandfather had passed away. She said, Dad, I've got um, some God questions for you. I'm like, that's what I do. Lay it on me. And she looks and she says, Pop, that was her grandfather. Can he see us from heaven? Um, Baby, I I don't know. Well, when we get to heaven and we see Pop, will he be the same age as we are? I was like, "Uh, baby, I don't know. Well, how will he be able to recognize us? Because I'll be grown when I get to heaven. He only knows me as a little girl. And I was like, baby, I I don't know. And again, she said, I kept asking these theological questions. I kept saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's getting really humble. She asked, why does God allow people to die anyway? Why did God allow death to come into the world in the first place? I looked at her and said, baby, I don't know. I don't know. And finally, she looked at me with this look of frustration and pity and said, so what are they teaching you at that school? (laughs) They're teaching me that there's a lot of things about God that I don't know. But it also teaches me some things that I do. That we have a God who doesn't just see you that looks down in your suffering, but he knows your suffering. We have a God that sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for your sin. He saw his own child suffer for you in the past. And we also have this promise that as bad as our suffering is, it doesn't begin to compare to what he has for us in the future. That one day we will understand and we will have the reward that our afflictions are light compared to the weighted glory of God. And though we may be pressed, we're not going to be crushed. We may be struck down, but we're not going to be abandoned. We might be knocked down, but we're not going to be knocked out because God is greater. The greater is he that's in us than the suffering that's in the world. And until that time, I know this, not only do we have a God that suffered in the past for us and who is going to relieve us from that suffering in the future, but until that time, he's given us his Holy Spirit so that we can't, we don't know the words, he does. And his son, Jesus Christ, is at the right hand of the Father, praying for you today. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want you to ask the Lord, what in this passage, in this service, has your name on it? What is it that God has specific for you that he just wants to go and put it on your heart? For some of you came in here today with some pain that no one even knows about. God's saying, hey, this message is for you. You don't have to feel bad about what you've been praying because my spirit is praying for you. He wants you to know that he's helping you carry that load.
Maybe today you've been struggling with whether or not to go to counseling or therapy or reach out to a pastor or a Bible study leader and God's saying, hey, yeah, put my spirit on them so they can soon ante Lambano for you. Maybe today God just wants you to know that in your pain, he has that peace, that confidence that you can stand, not understanding everything, but just knowing that his spirit is praying through you, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is in that groan at night when you're weeping. It's in that groan at night uh, and throughout the day when your stomach just turns every time you think about that prodigal, every time you think about that malignant, every time you think about that suffering. God has a peace that goes beyond that, a promise that is more powerful, that his spirit himself is praying for you. Even though we may have to be saying no to yours, he's saying yes to the prayers of the spirit. Father, we thank you for the power of prayer. God, we know that when we work, we work, but when we pray, you work. But God, how much more powerful is it when you pray for us? And so Lord, today in our sufferings, we don't make light of those, but God, we do make much of your peace and your presence and your power through us in the midst and in the face of our pain. Holy Spirit, minister to your saints today. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.